0: It's finally here. Penn State versus Ohio State. We've been waiting all summer for this one. We're going to have Jason Cabinda on the show in just a little bit, former Penn State great linebacker. Whole episode dedicated to breaking down this matchup. Can't wait to get into it. Make sure you've subscribed wherever you're listening to this podcast. See you in just a second. Penn State Football. I'm Corey Lestokey. With me, as always, the great Sean Kane. Unfortunately, I forgot to record this part of the podcast, so we do not get to find out how Sean is doing. But otherwise, we'll get right into the show. I'm doing really well. I'm surprisingly not as nervous as I thought I was at this point. I think I was actually maybe a little bit more nervous about this game on Monday than I am today. I probably dove into more podcasts and YouTube videos this week than ever in my life. Trying to get every sort of angle for this game. I listened to some really awful Ohio State uh, fan YouTube shows. Um, much, much, much worse than ours. And just trying to see if I could pull some, extract some sort of knowledge nuggets out of them um but i'm ready i'm ready i'm very excited to have jason Cabinda on the show um we'll talk with jason in a little bit but he was at penn state when we were at penn state which uh basically means we're just as important as him uh but uh, really a fan favorite of ours and just a guy that did things the right way was a dog and also had a pretty important game against ohio state for those that remember correctly uh, so just just overwhelmed, excited to be here, excited for for people to be listening to us, um, just 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 excited, Sean. Just excited.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, Jason Binda, and Brandon Bell were both questionable going into that Ohio State game. They're both supposedly on a pitch count, and I think they played like every play. So so much for the pitch count.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. the the uh, schedule for the show today. will wrap up our thoughts on UMass, which. There are not very many thoughts. The film breakdown, the film room breakdown is on Twitter. You can go check that out. There's actually some really solid nuggets in there that I would recommend you guys look at. Uh, I do want to correct two things, Sean. I did during the tweet, and I think I said it maybe on the last show. I think I said Tamir Robinson blew up that running back. That was Keon Wiley who blew up that that running back. So I wanted to correct that. that. Um, And then I thought there was another correction, but now it's escaping me. If I remember it, I will say it. But... Um, go check that out. It's on Twitter. You just search "hardcore PSUFB" and then put "film room." It should pop up. UMass Film Room, and enjoy. Yeah,
1: check that out. Corey does a great job with it, and yeah, um, gosh, it, 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 it's it's so exciting, isn't it, Corey? I mean, it it, it you're it, it's hard to describe as a football fan how you feel. Going into this game, but other football fans, no matter who your team is, they all know how you feel. Uh, when you have a game like this where you feel, I, I I think there's a nervous optimism in the air among the fans. Uh, it's not always that way. Last year, there was not. Uh, it was a few weeks after Penn State got blown out by Michigan. Not many people had Penn State winning that game. Uh, this is the most optimistic I remember the fan base being for this one. Since twenty eighteen, I would say. Uh, because yeah. at that point in twenty eighteen, uh Penn State had played well in the month of September. Then your half state game happened where we played really well for three and a half quarters.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember that twenty eighteen game and and being very optimistic, especially since that they had him at home that year. Uh, just in general, right? Just against like an opponent in general. Penn State fans were not this excited for the Michigan game last year, even. I think there was less, there's more skepticism involved there too. So I think Ohio State fans feel pretty good, but I think they're nervous. And I think Penn State fans feel pretty good, but they're nervous. So it should be a great one um, for a innocent bystander. It's gonna be fantastic for them. Are we probably gonna be going through the ringer a little bit as far as stress? Probably, but it should be a good game if if uh, past games are any indication of that. Um, Lots of these games, at least, started the fourth quarter are very close and usually ended up with some sort of drama. Since James Franklin's been there, and so we'll uh, we'll definitely be diving deep into that in just a second. But uh, wanted to uh, wanted to wrap up here with any thoughts you had on UMass, Sean.
1: Well, I mean, the UMass game, I think you could kind of say it was one where everything went the way it was supposed to go there were no major injuries uh Penn State it was never really a game they a little sleepy early on offense but overall I mean when you score 63 points you're not going to complain about the offense and when you don't allow a point you're not going to get you're not going to complain too much about the defense uh special teams got in on the scoring so 14 of those 63 points came courtesy of Daquan Hardy Uh, I don't think you can talk about that game without mentioning Daquan Hardy. If you remember anything from that game, it'll be how he, how he performed. And um, anytime you do something at a place like Penn State, that's never been done before. That's something worth celebrating. And two punt returns for touchdowns. His first two punt returns ever. Um, Yeah, that's really, really cool. And not only that, not only is it like a cool fact. It gives Ohio State something else to prepare for, because I think you're going to be very hard-pressed to keep Daquan Hardy off the field in that punt returner capacity now. Uh, He probably won the job, in in my mind, at least. Uh, You know, Franklin actually mentioned, too, I think he was either after the game or that Tuesday, the number one job of a punt returner is to catch the ball. So I don't know if there's, I don't know if that's what gave Caden Saunders the edge over Daquan in that regard, um, but you have to be thinking if you trust him enough to put him back, you know, if you trust him enough to put him back there, um, or if you're iffy on him, like the trade-off could be something really special that maybe Caden Saunders can't give you um, in in the punt return game and something that Penn State just hasn't had really since DeAndre Tompkins returning punts.
0: Yeah. And Franklin did know, like, it's hard to really gauge a punt returner in practice. Like, the only real way to know is when you get out there and, and look at it. So, um, Caden Saunders had that, you know, slight edge as far as the catching percentages in camp. And that's what they went with. But got to give Franklin some credit to say, you know, we're going against UMass. Let's get someone else a chance just to see what is going on. And Daquan Hardy, I think, uh, I think it was a Nittany Dispatch podcast. Um, had a good point that in the summer during a lines, Den drill or an Oklahoma drill, one of the drills, Daquan Hardy actually had the ball in his hand. So you don't do that unless you think at some point, maybe Daquan Hardy is going to go against some, you know, go against and get the football in his hand, whether that's a, a punt return or a kick return, whatever the case may be. So uh hundred percent agree there. Uh, Daquan I think on offense, maybe, I mean, he looked really good running the football. Like yeah. he looked like he had vision What he was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, just That's
1: how I, defensive guys get the ball and they look like lost.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, and they don't hold the ball correctly. No, yeah. no, one Hardy looked good. I think you'll expect to see him as the punt returner on Saturday. Um, the only thing that might change that is if that slight chance of rain comes in, maybe they go with Caden Saunders since he does have a higher catch percentage at that point. But I think you'll see Hardy there. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to Zaki Wheatley. I mentioned it on Twitter, but I wanted to you know give him a shout out. He had a really good tackle. Later in the game, didn't obviously make a difference because it was UMass, but it was a third and six. I think it was a hitch route. Receiver catches it, and he makes a one-on-one tackle that prevents the first. If he doesn't make that tackle, the guy's going to get tackled, but he's going to pick up the first down. So uh wanted to give some some love to Zaki Wheatley, who's just been quietly doing his thing, and uh, and we'll need him on Saturday because you know, Kevin Winston, Jalen Reed, Keenan Ellis, they've all played a bunch so far.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the whole defense on Saturday really did their job. Uh, bon Ellis had a great game. He really stands out to me as somebody who just came to play, and I, I think's been playing at a pretty high level all season. To be to be completely honest with you, um, you know, the offense again was efficient. Um, they were dominant. They were they were dominant in their efficiency. Uh, if, if that makes sense. They were a well-oiled machine and that they took it from goal to goal. Um, not the most flashy thing in the world, but hey, 63, po- 63 points is 63 points. And again, that's nothing, that's nothing to scoff at. And if you want to take the two Daquan touchdowns away, that's um, still 49 points. And I'll take 49 points any day of the week. So yeah. Um, Overall, I don't think there's too much to complain about uh, from from this one. They, uh, they there wasn't even a uh, Delaware hiccup like when uh, Tyler Elston um, in the in the Delaware game that play. There wasn't even any of those plays. So defense continues to play at a super high level, and the offense is doing its thing. And the offense showed you this is who we are, and that was a big theme of Franklin's press conference yesterday. We yeah. say was embracing who we, who we are. And I think they're comfortable being a ball control offense. And I still think they need a little more explosion. I mean, they're one of the last teams in the country in terms of explosive plays. And you want to be better than that. Um, but I think they're very comfortable in playing their style.
0: Yeah, and I think it was Ben Jones who asked the question. It was a really good question. I made Franklin kind of pause and think about how to answer it, which is usually a good sign. Yeah. Um, um. Basically Franklin said, you know, they're going to go into this Ohio state game and they're going to be who they are. He's like, a lot of times you get into these games and you try to maybe do things you hadn't done before that didn't get you there. You know, they're six and oh, because they've done things the way they've done them. Has the competition been insanely difficult? No, but if you try to reinvent the wheel, you know, you can press a little bit and that, and that causes turnovers. And that's the last thing that Penn state can afford going into the horseshoe. So, um, Yeah, I think they'll be okay, but you got to think at some point in this game they're going to need one or two explosive plays to match Ohio State's explosive offense. Now, is Ohio State – you know, it's funny because I think of Ohio State's offense, I kind of think of like an older Penn State offense from, like, say, 2016, not to that extent, but living or dying by the big play. And if they can hit the big play, they can move the sticks – But if you ask this Ohio State offense right now to nickel and diamond down the field, I'm not really sure if they can. So kind of polar opposites of the two offenses so far.
1: Yeah, you know, I watched the whole Notre Dame-Ohio State game last night uh, because I had nothing better to do. So I went on Peacock, watched that game, and something that stood out to me was they only had one long touchdown drive in that whole game, the other touched. So they only scored 17 points. Uh, the one touchdown was the one where they scored at the one yard line because Notre Dame being Notre Dame only had 10 guys on the field. The other touchdown was like a 45 yard run by Travion Henderson. And those were their only touchdowns. So I, I think you're absolutely correct. Like they are very reliant on the big play. Um, what now I would say this, this could help this could help Ohio State potentially because what's the one weakness with Manny Diaz's defense? They could give up a big play once in a while. Um, so in that way, that matchup probably benefits Ohio State a little bit. Um, you know, on the other hand, you watch Ohio State's defense, you're going to be able to move the ball uh, between the 20s. I'm expecting Penn State to be able to do that. It's just when they get to the red zone, or even the maroon zone, as Corey calls it, they're tough. They are tough. They do not give up much. And I think we're going to need Alex Falcons to be able to hit some field goals on Saturday.
0: Yeah, and the tight ends were good against UMass in that maroon zone, if you will, with Theo Johnson scoring two and Ty Warren. who has been a threat in the red zone this entire time. Um, Just, yeah, I, I think... You know, coming out of this UMass game, we, we probably didn't learn very much from an offensive perspective, but I also don't think any more alarm bells are, were kind of rung there. So I think we're good there. we got about 15 minutes or so until we bring on Jason Covinda. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to Ryan on YouTube. He thinks we're asking for bold predictions in the chat right now, so drop your bold predictions in the chat. Um, he says Trey Wallace goes over 100 yards, I'm assuming receiving, on Saturday. So if, if Trey Wallace goes over 100 yards, Sean – Feeling pretty good about Penn State's chances. Um, that's assuming Keandra Lambert Smith still kind of gets his. Um, and it's not all in his lonesome, but if if he's able to contribute and kind of supplement what Keander Lambert Smith's usually able to do, you gotta feel pretty
1: good about your chances in that one. Yeah, I mean, I think the two biggest question marks for Penn State going into this one and two of the things that probably decide the game um receiver production and being able to run the ball consistently and if those two things happen uh at a high level for us or a high-ish level for us yeah I think I think we would um yeah and then um good. do you have any more thoughts on UMass Nope, I was about to jump us to fan questions, actually. Yeah, I'm ready to go to fan questions, too. Perfect. I love this
0: question, so we're going to start off with this question. Um, We'll throw this one up right away. This is from Michael Higgins. If you had to go in for the Penn State, if you had to go in, yeah, if you had to go in for Penn State for one snap Saturday and have the least amount of negative impact on the game, what position would you go in for? And I love this question. We had some really good answers to this question. If this is the first time you've seen this question, uh, let us know in the chat what your thoughts are as well. Uh, But fantastic question by Higgs here. Sean, you said you had your answer first when we were
1: texting. So I'll let you go first in case I I don't want to spoil that. All right. This is going to sound funny coming from me running back. And I'll tell you (laughs) why. I'll tell you why. I mean first off you're probably thinking Sean look at yourself you're going to be a running back. Yes in this one play just a quick screw, just a quick slant across the middle Drew gets the ball half second ball comes out I don't have to do anything. I don't have to block. I
0: can oh, okay. just
1: stand there next to Drew maybe I could chip someone if I have You're going you're going to chip JTT? I mean as chip I mean maybe like th- Throw a quick arm <laughs> I, don't
0: think, I think you lose your arm. I think I you would probably understand.
1: would. So I'd probably just stay away from him. But I don't think I would negatively negatively impact the play. Now I also considered receiver on like an inside zone. But the reason I wouldn't do that is what if Nick Singleton breaks loose and I got to make a block? I'm not going to be able to block anyway because <laughs> <You laughs> I'm with Nick Singleton. So I think that would be the play and the position that I would go with. What about you?
0: Yeah, I think you kind of chickened out of that one. I think, I mean, that's fine, but I think, I think you, uh, you maneuvered around the question quite well there. I was gonna go kickoff specialist, like and like the actual kicker. Oh yeah, and we're gonna oh, just line be like the last thing I want to do. We're gonna line up on the left side. Everyone's gonna line up on the left side, and I'm just gonna kick it towards the sideline. And if I, you know, t- get if I top the ball and it turns into an onside kick, maybe we get it. And if I actually get a hold of it, it just goes out of bounds, and they get the ball at the 40-yard the line. And it, you know what I mean? Just, just don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about me getting in the way. You don't have to worry about me trying to chip JTT like you're kind of trying to do. Maybe we get the onside kick, or best case, probably, they get the ball at the 40-yard line. I saw some people said, you know, Gunner. I'm like, what do you mean, gunner? You're no, gonna be Gunner's the pun- hard. <laughs> you're gonna be the gunner on a kickoff or a punt? Like, first of all, you're gonna get laid out. Secondly, you're not gonna make a tackle in space. Like, there's no way that happens. So um let us know if you guys got some. I'm assuming Adam Brennan, I see he's in the chat tonight. I'm assuming Adam would probably choose tight end at this point. Maybe. Maybe he's Maybe. a little old. I don't know if he'll be able to hang in there with those guys nowadays, those young bucks. Um, but I love that question, Hicks. So thank you for that. We got um a bold prediction from Adam Brennan and he says Tyler Warren has two touchdown catches. So, uh Tyler Warren who is very good in the whiteouts. I believe it's a scarlet out on Saturday. So, maybe the the themed stadium outs is a is a good omen for for Ty Warren.
1: Yeah, I could see that. I think if you're Ohio State, I think you try your best to take Tyler Warren away in the red zone because that's where Drew's going with the ball. Maybe that third safety would they're probably going to try to use that third safety on
0: Yeah. Yeah. Then we got another one from here from Hectic24. Bold prediction. Penn State leads wire to wire and wins by two plus scores. Sean, you think Penn State can run away with this one? Possibly. Possibly. I mean, so Oklahoma here, did
1: it a couple So years here's years my back. thought on
0: it, right? Like, I don't see an avenue, unless JTT does what he does last year which you can never predict because that just can't predict something like that unless something like that happens i do not see a way ohio state runs away from this one but i do see a way for penn state to run away from it and i'm not saying that means like penn state's going to win this game i'm just saying i don't see i I see a potential opportunity and avenue for penn state to run away just because of their defense and if you're asking Kyle kyle mccord to have to keep throwing to get keep in the game. I, I think that could lead to trouble for them, um, but teach their own. I, so that's that's where my thoughts are on it. So I think it's more possible that happens, but I don't think either team. Um, I don't think either team pulls away. One more here from Ben. Shout out to Ben uh, from from Mercury here. Um, bold prediction: Penn State wins twenty four seven. Kyle McCord. Three interceptions.
1: I mean, hey, if, if that happens, he like definitely wins this one. Now, now, you have to keep in mind, Sean Ford has done a good job taking care of the ball. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, he hasn't put up the gaudy stats, but he also hasn't played the defense like Penn State's. Although I think Notre Dame has themselves a pretty good defense themselves. All right. Let's get to the next
0: question here. This is from Yingling Lasagna. Always love the name. He's been on asked some questions before. Um, seems like Nick Singleton and Catron Allen rotate on a drive-by-drive basis. Would it not be more beneficial for them to rotate every three to five plays? And then they said Penn State wins if Catron Allen out carries Nick Singleton, which that second part I, I tend to agree with. I think Catron Allen needs to get more carries in this game. Um he he actually had less carries than Nick Singleton in UMass, but I thought he, he played better at times. Um, I'll answer this one pretty quickly here. You want to give a running back the drive, barring injury or maybe like a 15-play drive or maybe a really long run. Typically, you want to let that running back kind of own that drive because you want them to get in rhythm. You want to get them in sync, especially if they have like back-to-back good carries. Last thing you want to do is pull that guy out. If they're starting to feel good about themselves, you, know, you let them eat per Ezekiel Elliott. So um, I, I think I'll just wrap it up with that there. Let's go to our final. Well, good. You didn't have a choice. Um, <laughs> let's go to our final question here. And we went shorter on the fan questions today because um, we answered like seven on Monday's show. Uh, this is from Lucas Powers, longtime listener to the show. Simply. Will Drew Aller give our receivers a chance, even if they're not clearly open? And I feel like this is like a, I feel like Lucas Powers might be a disciple of the Corey Geiger thinking.
1: Um,
0: But I don't think so, Sean. I, I think, I don't know if you want him to. Like what Drew Aller has done so well, and James Franklin talked about this in the press conference, he checks the ball down. And Franklin specifically said, you want quarterbacks to eventually learn how to check it down. And he said sometimes it takes them their entire collegiate career to figure that out. And Drew Aller already has that. So um, I I don't think you'll see that at least early on. Maybe things change if the game gets out of hand or if Aller feels like he needs to press a little bit. Uh, I will say this, though, Sean. I, I think he feels more confident having Trey Wallace back. And I think that could make a difference. Maybe he'd be more willing to take that shot if he's throwing it to Trey Wallace or Keon Andre Lambert Smith.
1: Um, I think James Franklin sleeps easy at night with Drew Aller as his quarterback, and I think it's because he um he doesn't really have to worry about things and like like uh, about uh making too many mistakes, and. I would like to see Drew be a little more aggressive in one-on-ones. Now, I do not think he should just throw it up for grabs no matter what. Um, I I, I don't subscribe to that. But one-on-one plays, you have Trey Wallace. Maybe he's on a smaller cornerback. Trey probably has the height advantage. Yeah, I'd like to see him throw it up to him and see what happens sometimes. Um, Do I think that happens in this game? No. And part of the reason I don't think it happens is he hasn't done it yet. Uh, you try to do that stuff against UMass and Delaware and uh, Northwestern, and he just didn't do that. It's just, I, I guess, it's just not what he's going to be doing. So I don't think he's going to start experimenting against Ohio State unless he has to. And it's like late in the game, and he's got to, and he's we got to come from behind. And he's got to start making throws and taking chances. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think you hit it on the head there. Now uh, that being said, I have a feeling that Drew Allen is going to have a good game on Saturday. I just – I don't know what Ohio State's game plan is going to be. They've been running a lot of three safeties um, and, in a way, playing a lot like what Iowa did as far as keeping everything in front of them. Uh, Knowles, their defensive coordinator, not a big fan of the Ben but don't break defense. He doesn't like it being called that. But that's what they've been basically running. And so – there might be opportunities if they play a lot of cover three. We talked about this before, but those outside the number hook curls, especially to the to the field side, are going to be there all day. And so, um, it you know, you hit a couple of those that that might make Ohio State change things up a little bit, and that might open up the middle of the field a little bit more. So, uh, it, it's going to be an interesting, interesting chess match from that perspective because. What Penn State does early on offense might dictate how Ohio State plays defense the rest of the game. They actually might get more favorable looks if they're able to be you know, be able to
1: execute early on. So you're not expecting Drew to curl up in the fetal position as soon as he walks inside the horseshoe? Well, you know that people were saying that because he's from
0: Ohio, yeah. he feels added pressure going into the shoe and that he's going to crumple into a pile of dust. I
1: mean... In a way, look, I understand why Ohio State fans are arrogant. I mean, they've run the conference the last 20 years, but god, they're unbearable.
2: <laughs> yeah. All right. Looks like we have a visitor. Why do I look Hi, so huge? So, my face is, like, zoomed in on the one on the one part.
1: Corey will get you fixed. How you doing? How we doing? What's going on?
2: Not much. Not much. Um. I didn't get some guys- preparation before this, so y'all let me know what's, what's going on before we get into it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what's going to happen? We're just going to talk a little bit about the game, uh, talk a little bit about you, ask you some questions, and then we're going to go through the games in the Big Ten, uh, get your predictions for each of the games, and uh, ask you about uh Penn State and Ohio State game, obviously. So,
0: cool. Yeah. Sounds good. So happy you're hey. here. Hey Jason, would you mind actually putting your camera? Adam, uh, would you say? Would you mind putting your camera the other way? Actually, point it more towards the sky a little bit. Oh, yeah. There we go. Perfect. They're good. Yeah, that's perfect. Nice. All righty. Yeah, man. Thanks for joining us, especially the last second. We uh, we appreciate having you on. We uh, probably Sean. I don't know about for you, Sean, but. Probably one of my favorite players of all time. Just to give you some background, Jason, both of us are at Penn State around 2016 or so. Oh, and um And so, obviously, that 2016 team, but, you know, we were with you guys in, in 2015 and, and kind of through all the, the bull crap as well. So, um, we, we live the highs and the lows, which obviously makes it a lot more sweeter when you go through those things.
1: No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I heard so. You. So, Jason, I wanted to ask you, uh, you know, Franklin, James Franklin, even when you were there, all about 1-0, 1-0, 1-0. In the locker room for Ohio State week, are you guys really like that? Do you prepare for it just like it's Akron
2: or Minnesota or just another game? I would say you try to, but, you know, the reality is the way the conference is shaped up in the Big Ten East, you know, there's those three powerhouses in us, Michigan and Ohio state. And, you know, at the back of your mind, you know, you always know that, you know, most likely the winner of, you know, those three matchups is probably going to be the team that goes to the big 10 championship. You know, there's just no um, escaping that fact. So although, yeah, you absolutely try to, you know, prepare the same way as hard as you can, as you would every single week, you know, blase blase. I think at the back of your mind, you know, it's a very, very important game and a possibly season-defining game. That's just the reality of what it is. Wanted to ask you, so one of the things I remember about
0: 2016, and, and we, we focused a lot on that today and this week, just because that's the last time Penn State's beat Ohio State. Um, but I remember you know, being at Nittanyville the Thursday before the game, and you guys come down and, and visit the campers and the band comes down. I think Saquon's smashing the symbols over there. And um and you give a speech there at at the at Nittanyville and talk about belief and 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 firing the crowd up. But there was a moment there where I was like, holy, like these guys really believe they're gonna win. And at that point, you know, nobody else, at least around the country, really believed in you guys. When you specifically, though, when you look at the defense and that belief, how much does that really play a role? I look at this defense right now and I don't know if there's a defense in the country that has more (coughs) confidence than these guys. And I guess how much does that confidence and belief really factor into the end result?
2: Honestly, it's to me, it's it's huge. Um, You know, at that level of college football and everybody's good, you know, you got good players. everywhere. Everybody's fast. Everyone's explosive. Everybody can do things, you know, so I think. I think belief and that belief factor is a very underrated um, element of a lot of teams because, to me, belief ends up translating into trust. When you believe in the man to your right and you believe the man to your left that he's going to do your job, it makes you trust them. When you trust the man to your right and you trust the man to your left, you want to play harder for them because you don't want to let them down. And I think that level of care, because that's really what it comes down to. It comes down to how much you care, you know, how much you're going to lay it all out on the line for your teammates. So when you have that belief and you have that trust and you have everybody, all 11 guys out there laying it out there on the line for each other, I think, that is a super, super special thing. And I mean, you, you saw it throughout that year. Um, I mean, I remember it was maybe midway through that season where we were kind of being labeled, you know, a, a second half team and stuff like that. And there were a lot of games, you know, <clears throat> where we were down um, at halftime and we came back to win those games. And I think what we're talking about right now, you know, is really the, the fuel coming out of those halftimes to be able to come back and win the games that we won. You know, it comes down to that belief and that trust. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a huge, huge element to me.
1: And um, I know you were – we were actually just talking about this. I know in 2016 you were injured going into that game. I think you missed the game. We had a bye – I think we had a bye week, and uh, I think you missed the previous game. How yeah. questionable were you leading up to it? Because I remember you were supposed to be on, like, a pitch count or something, but you ended up playing, like, the whole game
2: man i don't really know i have a lot of time to talk about that but I, I was i was messed up i was really messed up man i uh i had a better fracture of my thumb the very first week <clears throat> of the season i think it was uh, a like kent we play like kent state or akron or something like that i did it in like the second quarter you know i knew my hand was throbbing the whole game i ended up finishing the, the, the game and coming out you know they x-ray they x-rayed it you know I, i'm just thinking you know Maybe I just smashed it really hard. You know, my shit definitely feels swollen, but I don't think, you know, I don't think it's like broken or anything like that. I Man, I finished the game, you know, realized I really finished the game just off the strength of adrenaline. After the game, they told me it was, uh, I had a Bennett fracture, boom, boom, boom. I'd have to get surgery. I was, I was basically like, after that, I'm playing, you know, club my shit up because I don't, I don't give a fuck <laughs> straight up, you know, and. I went, had the surgery, you know, I had the pins in for about, I believe it was like three weeks. And I was supposed to get the pins out after four weeks. After like two and a half weeks, I kept telling Coach Frank, like, I'm good. Like, I can play. Like, just club me up. Like, I'm good. They kept telling me, nah, you know, it has to heal more. You know, you can't affect the pins yet. Blah, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, club me up. It had gotten so bad. The, the, the in-house arguments that I would have with the, with the, you know, Tim Bream and the head trainers in the, in the training room, it had gotten so bad that coach franklin you know called me upstairs into his office when you get called into coach Langan's office on some, like random that's normally not ever good you know <laughs> coach franklin calls me up there and he's like if you want to talk to the trainers or you want to talk to about anybody an in injury i'm i need to be present like it got to that point where he was like you're not talking to them about your thumb or anything unless i'm there because this is just is out of control bro it is what it is you're going to be out that's just it's what it is after that three-week mark, the very next week, I think we were playing um, Minnesota, I believe it was, and that was a game I was supposed to come back. That uh, I want to say the Thursday, yeah, the Thursday before that game, or the Friday, uh, we were at the hotel, it was a Friday, the Friday when we were at the hotel, it's like, maybe like 9 p.m., you know, like, my hand is throbbing, bro. Like, I'm in the room. Like, I'm trying to go to sleep. I can't sleep. I texted Tim, Tim Bremer. I had trainer, like, maybe 2, 3 a.m. I was like, bro, like, I need some medicine. Like, I can't sleep. My shit's throbbing. He, Thank God he was awake. He gave me some Tylenol that, that allowed me to be able to go to sleep. Woke up the next morning, and it was throbbing the same way again. Tim came, looked at my – my. Uh, we opened up the little the, – uh, the bandages or whatever from the surgery, and it was yellow. Like, it was infected as hell. So this set me off on, like, a whole – A whole nother degree, because I've been begging this whole time, like, take these pins out. I'm good to go. Like, my feels good. Boom, I get rushed to Hershey Hospital, wherever it was. Hershey Hospital. I rushed to Hershey Hospital. Had to have emergency surgery. The infection was spreading through my body. So this turned into, like, a a little thumb fracture that, you know, was supposed to be a four-game deal to the infection might be so bad that we might have to put a, uh, what is it? Uh, a catheter on your heart that's pumping the uh, pumping medicine into your heart and if if we have to put the catheter on your heart you're not, you're going to be out the rest of the season so it went from like a really small thing to the possibility of me missing a whole year just off this dumps like i was so angry i was so frustrated and like it took a while to get back you know i was just sitting in the hospital bed like in peril my, my parents ended up coming because i got rushed there and stuff And luckily, the doctor came back and they were like, no, we do think with this with this surgery, we're going to be able to stop it. You know, we feel like we'll be able to just give you pills to clear out the rest of the infection. So I ended up missing that Minnesota week on top. And then finally, the the week after that was Ohio State game. So. By this point, I'm like a freaking pit bull locked up in a cage just foaming at the mouth, bro. Like <laughs> You played like it, too. I yeah, it's going to say you played
1: like
0: it. <laughs> that's awesome. I can look back
2: now and kind of laugh at it, but, man, like I was so angry at the time. And I just remember going to that Ohio State game. I was just like, man, these, these motherfuckers going to feel me, you know? Like that's really how I felt going into that game. So I felt like I, I played that game with just – you know, my hair on fire. I was just out there flying around, trying to make as big as an impact as I could. But I mean, that was that that was a that was a rough time for me, man. It was rough.
0: <laughs> yeah, you and Brandon Bell. Who Brandon Bell's, you know, part of Mercury. He's got a show with Hackenberg. Yeah. You two really were supposed to be on like a pitch count, and I feel like you guys end up playing pretty much the whole game. And <laughs> I I don't really know. I mean, how close Benson even gets to potentially winning that without you guys? Remember, Brandon Bell was was chasing down. Um, JT Barrett, I feel like, every other play. So Uh that's awesome, Sean. Great question there. (laughs) Um, Jason, I wanted to ask you about Mike Linebacker because obviously that was a big question mark last year. Um, Two guys coming in, same two guys from last year. Kobe King, Tyler Elsden, seemed to be doing a lot better this year than last year. But I I feel like fans maybe don't appreciate the position or appreciate how – what all goes into that position compared to maybe playing the the will where you can maybe play a little bit more free? I feel like, Mike, you got a little bit more responsibility and it's, it's not something you can just kind of walk into.
2: Oh, yeah, there, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, uh, that that maybe doesn't get talked enough about. But, you know, the Mike position on defense, I mean, you're really the quarterback of the defense. No you're the guy getting the call every single play you have to get guys lined up you have to set the front every play you have to set the blitz based on how the offense lines up to the defense or what formation they 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 have to come out so you got to be a guy who can process information very fast who can see the picture fast make the right calls get people in the right position and then you also have to be a leader enough where you know there may be times you may you know set the front wrong or maybe set the blitz to the wrong side or whatever the case may be but From a leadership standpoint, everyone hears your voice and they listen to you. Because one saying I know we always had when I was there with Coach Pry was, uh, you know, if we're all wrong, we're still right. You know, and it's really the plays where you have nine guys on the same page, 10 guys on the same page. And that one or two guys thought it was something else. That's when bad things happen. But at the very worst. If at the end of the day, all 11 people are on the same page doing the same thing, we're going to survive the down and, can still, and still have it. We're still giving us, ourselves a shot to have a successful play here. So, um, I mean, that mic position is huge from a standpoint of processing information, being a leader, being the voice, being loud, declaring fronts, declaring where you know people are going and all those kinds of things. And then at the end of the day, as a mic linebacker, you have to be the eraser. You got to be a sideline to sideline guy. You know, when a D lineman is out of his gap, you got to be able to react and correct him and fill it, you know, all of those things. So um, I I would hope it doesn't go as far as us being able to say it's an underappreciated position, because it it truly is a a very, very important position to the defense. Um, So, yeah, man, it's huge.
0: What do you think? What do you think of this defense so far? Obviously, statistically, they're one of the best in the country. Have you had a chance to watch a lot of the Penn State games this year? Are you, are you, are you a little jealous maybe of how they're allowed to fly around freely compared to <laughs> Brent prize defense? Like, they're racking up TFLs like it's nobody's business. What are your thoughts on them so far?
2: I've been tuned in, man. I've been tuned in. Uh, you know, I think one of the greatest um, – One of the greatest judging factors from a standpoint of, you know, how good is your defense or how relentless is a defense? is you look at the pursuit, you know, on a play, let's say you have a wide play going to the right. You look at the left side, you look at that left defensive end and that backside corner who most people would say aren't really going to have a chance to make the play because it's on the absolute opposite side. But when you see those two guys, the backside defensive end and the backside corner sprinting their ass off to go make that play, that, That tells you a lot about a defense. And you you see that almost every single play when you watch this defense play. I mean, these guys fly around. We obviously have a ton of depth, man, in the secondary, along the D-line, even in the at the linebacker position as well. It's a lot of depth. So, you know, when you have that kind of depth, that really allows a coordinator to open up his playbook because you have a lot of guys you can interchange. You have a lot of guys you can keep fresh. Um, you know, Manny Diaz has, has been known for that, you know, his prowler package that he likes to bring out on third down with, you know, seven DBs and three D linemen and a linebacker. I mean, all of those things have been paying off a lot of dividends. And in order to be able to do that, you need smart players, because at the end of the day, you're not always going to be in the same position, depending on the call. It, it, you know, you might end up in the sand position based on what the formation does or based on emotion. So you got to know how that changes your role when that motion happens or what the case is. So not only do they have that relentless mindset that, you you know, you always see out of a great Penn State defense. But when you watch them play and you watch the kinds of things they do schematically, you can tell that they're a very smart football team, which, you know, you just love to see. So I'm loving what Manny Diaz is doing with that defense, man. I mean, the d lines just the pressure is there. The negative plays is there. They're keeping all offenses off schedule. I mean, when you when you have you know third and long situations consistently, I mean, it's just tough on an offensive coordinator. It just is. That's just the reality. Unless you're facing a, a team that can that does a good job of generating explosive plays, you know, it can be a long game for you.
1: So you know, coming from Penn State, you go to the NFL. You're playing an entirely different position on the other side of the field. How do you think Penn State prepared you to become a pro and approach things and be and, you know, get ready for something like that? Uh, Just something completely different on a a much higher level.
2: Yeah, um, I think I would credit a lot of that to to Coach Franklin. Coach Galt, who's our head strength coach, strength coach at the time, and, and Coach Pride, because, you know, although it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with specifically playing linebacker or specifically playing, you know, fullback, you know, one thing that those three guys really taught me was, was about being very, very process oriented. Um, there's a process to everything, you know, you may have a goal. But there are steps you need to take. There are things you need to do on a daily basis in order to reach that goal. And I think a lot of us in life, not just in football, we look at that goal and maybe we see how far away it is and we don't try to reach it or we see how far it is. And it doesn't allow us to stay disciplined enough to reach it. But that discipline is one thing that that re- they really taught me and, and very much so being focused on the process. So, um you know, and I had to make, them, make my, my transition, you know, there's, there's a lot of different movements I had to do. I had to learn how to run routes. I had, you know, I had to get better at catching. I had to, you know, there was a lot of things that I had to do. You know, obviously there's some things that from a linebacker position translated well to a fullback because I was used to tracking a fullback and, you know, the background knowledge of what, you know, linebackers do and what leverage they use based on different coverages helped me a lot in terms of finding my way to my blocks and all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, like it's a, it's a, it's a new position. So, you know, to me, it was really just about, you know, having a starting point, knowing where I was and knowing where I wanted to go and then being dedicated to that process day in and day out on doing my best to get better. Um, so in those off seasons, man, just grinding, you know, from an offensive skill position point, And even the first year I played fullback, I had gone into that year thinking I was playing linebacker. So all offseason, I was still you know, training as a defensive player in general. So, um, yeah, man, that, that's that, that's probably the biggest thing about Penn State that prepared me to be able to do something like that because that, that's what life is all about. That's what achieving goals is all about. It is all process and detail-oriented, and I, I feel like those three guys really instilled that in me.
0: You weren't a bad running back in high school. 48 total touchdowns, I believe. Uh, there, yeah. You got three years of varsity there, so you know you, you know how to run the rock a little bit.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: last last question before we kind of get into our our pick them. I know AB if he's still watching will appreciate this question. We like to ask this with former players quite a bit. Penn State has their core values. You got to you got to stand up and recite them in team meetings. Pretty much ingrained in every single player. I think at this point do you have one specific core value that sticks with you more than the other ones that maybe you, you live your day through?
2: Great work ethic. No question. That's uh, I mean, from the day, you know, coach Franklin taught us those, those four core values. I mean, the sacrifice one is huge too, um, especially in this day and age, because I feel like today's players don't know as much about sacrifice um, as we did, you know, just from the standpoint of, if you want to get to where you, you're going to go, you're not going to be able to go to that party or you're not going to have time to go and hang out with this person, or hang out with these guys here. You know, there's going to be those days where you just got to stay in and you got to grind. You know, being a being a full time student athlete, that's a, it's a job. You know, it truly is, you know, taking care of your schoolwork and staying on top of it while also traveling to games throughout the year and having practice and workouts. I mean, you're waking up. I mean, I heard they don't do winter workouts anymore, but our winter workouts started at five on the dot. You know, I was in the building by 430, 440 in the hot tub, getting my body ready to go out there. So, you know, you're up at the crack of dawn, you know, when you're walking to the building, it was still dark outside. You know, that was just, that was the grind of it. So, um, and and part of that grind is knowing that you got to sleep and you can't go out that night before that winter workout or whatever the case may be. Um, So I I think, you know, from a work ethic standpoint, I, I always looked at Mike Hall as my model for work ethic, because when I came in my freshman year, I don't feel like there was anybody who worked as hard as my call. And I did not see that guy miss not one tackle. I mean, he was just phenomenal. I mean, one of the one of the best college linebackers I've, I've seen play. Um, and I don't think we say his name enough. Um, so that, that's a guy from a work ethic standpoint that I really tried to model. And I'm, I'm very happy that even if it was just for a year, I I got to see him up close in that practice and see what his, you know, day to day, uh, work ethic was like. And I tried to match that as best as I could. And then, like I said, you know, that sacrifice part, because at the end of the day, man, it's all about where do you want to go and how bad do you want it? You know, at the end of the day, that's just what it is. You can't have it all. You're going to have to sacrifice some things to get something. That's just, that's just the way this life goes. So you know, those, those are definitely the two biggest ones. with Work ethic definitely being the biggest.
0: Sean, I know you want to say it. You can just just throw in your little dolphins remark because I know you you love the dolphins. And you love that Michael was able to play with them for a little Mike bit. Michael was <laughs> a Miami
2: Dolphins. sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, every time he played, he was a dog. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know Miami he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah in Miami. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Obviously, he played a lot of special team snaps, but when they had injuries, Mike was starting. freaking balled every time it was it's
0: one of those nfl things where it's just like because he just wasn't a a big dude so many people just overlooked him right off the bat which is frustrating because he was a he was attacking the machine um no doubt about it I just, literally it's so funny to bring up my call i was just at a wedding that he just happened to be at this past yeah. weekend so I, I was just talking to him so that's just like another reason we have to get my call on the show now i hope he um,
2: sees that clip man
0: <laughs> yeah well i got that recorded so we'll just send <laughs> send it directly to him um yeah. we'll get into the pick 'em now and so just it's just so you know how the pick 'em works um you're gonna pick these games straight up winner loser Uh, We'll say Penn State and Ohio State for the end. You're only picking Big Ten teams. Um, We've had some really good guests so far, so not to put too much pressure on you. Uh, I think Brandon Bell, actually, had. I don't know if he was perfect, but he was pretty close to perfect earlier this year. So uh, see if you can beat your fellow linebacker there. Um, We'll start with... Rutgers at and, and and by the way, I don't expect you to really watch these teams very much. I think it actually makes it better. But we'll mm-hmm. start with Rutgers at Indiana. Uh, Indiana has just been awful this year. Rutgers, yeah. pretty solid defense. I don't really know how much you were considering going to Rutgers, uh, but John's got them playing some pretty good defense right now.
2: They offered me really late, so f them. But uh, I will go with I will go with Rutgers because they, they've been playing some solid ball that I've seen in recent years. So I'm, I'm gonna go with Rutgers on that one. Sean,
0: who do you have?
2: Um, I'm going with Rutgers. It's
1: <laughs> that, that's so funny. And then I remember that one reporter that said uh, Saquon would be able to be like in the 3D at at, at their school at Rutgers in 20. Yeah, it said something like they'd be
0: fine oh, without him or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: paraphrasing a little. bit.
0: Man, um, gonna... I honestly, for a second, wanted to take Indiana because I feel like Indiana's going to beat somebody they're not supposed to. But I don't think it's going to be Rutgers just because I don't know if Indiana is going to score more than 10 points. Um, Minnesota at Iowa, I, don't, I think the over-under is officially at 31 and a half, which is one of the lowest over-unders of all time. So points will be at a premium. Jason, where are you going to this one?
2: This one was a toss-up to me. Uh, I think the deciding factor comes to the fact that they're playing at Kinnick. Uh, and honestly, in my opinion, Kinnick is the toughest stadium to, to play at uh, besides ours. You know, besides Beaver Stadium, I think Kinnick is tough. I mean, the fans are right on top of you. They're animated. They're, you know, they, they go at it over there. So, I'm going to have to go with Iowa.
1: Same. I mean, Iowa's playing their game, and they've been playing it well. So, um, go with Iowa.
0: We hear that a lot with former players, that Iowa's the underrated maybe place. I was I was out there in 2017 um, on that last second play. Um, it was very, very loud for for yeah. 95% of that game. But, uh yeah. We'll uh we'll go to Wisconsin at Illinois. Wisconsin did not look very good against Iowa last week. Illinois actually kind of snugged up and got a, a a dub over Maryland. Kind of ruined all of our pickums for last week. Uh, <laughs> Illinois at home. They got a, a a dude on their defensive line in, in Newton. Does that does it, does that make you maybe want to take the home team here? I don't. I really don't know when to go with this one, Jason.
2: I'm gonna go Wisconsin. I'm going to go Wisconsin. Um, there will never be a day in my life where I believe in the Illinois football program. So that's really a lot to say about that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one right there. You're full of zingers tonight. You must, you must have been feeling good right now. Sean, who are you got?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Wisconsin too. Um, they just had a bad loss to Iowa. They, they got a little unlucky. They lost their quarterback. Um, I do think if Mordecai played, they'd probably pull it out, uh, but I'm going to I mean, Illinois just hasn't been playing very good ball right now, so, well, Wisconsin. I'm going to
2: take... Yeah, at this point.
0: Yeah, I think so. I'm going to take I Illinois. I think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take Illinois to win this. I, they're at home. Tanner Mordecai, quarterback for Wisconsin's out. Illinois maybe has some momentum right now. They're getting back home. The Big Ten West is is wide open for Illinois' Illinois's perspective here, so... I'm going to take Illinois to win. Why not? I mean, you got to pick an upset say, here somewhere. And I don't think it's going to be in the next game. Northwestern at Nebraska. I don't know who said it, but somebody said the other day that Northwestern should even have fielded a program this year. I, I wouldn't go that far. But Northwestern is really struggling right now. Um, Kabinda, where are you going to that one?
2: I'm going with Nebraska. Um, I actually just saw a clip of uh, Matt Rule, you know, making a pretty nice speech to his team. I think he's got them fired up this weekend. I'm going to go with Nebraska.
1: Again, go following your lead here, Jason. Uh, I'm going to go with Nebraska as well. Uh, Northwestern, just not very good. It's at, it's at Lincoln. Um, yeah, and Northwestern is is just really, really bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go
0: Nebraska as well. I wasn't going to bring up Matt Roll given that – Sean, were you at that Temple 2015
1: game? Was I, was was not, for that? I was not. I was
0: not. I was watching that. house. I was there for that one, so I I got to experience that one in its entirety. You know, not to go off in too much of a rant here, but I kind of think to a certain degree the game on Saturday between Penn State and Ohio State could be like Penn State playing Temple. And what I mean by that is Penn State had all the weapons offensively, but just couldn't give Hack enough time to actually make those weapons hurt Temple. Like, nobody was – nobody was – questioning who had more talent but they literally couldn't get the ball off in a lot of those situations i think there's a potential where ohio state might have a lot of weapons on the outside but might not have enough time to to get that ball out you know in a similar fashion which i know is a weird way to go back to 2015 but i was thinking about that today um when i was getting in the rabbit hole a little bit but um (laughs) random random thought but i was thinking about i'll just throw that out there um michigan at michigan state I feel like nobody's talking about this game. I feel like a couple of years ago, this is a big deal. Michigan State's just really not good. Obviously, they don't have a coach. Um, I think Mich- yeah, Michigan's favored by 24 and a half. So, um, I think it was also, I think it was like to this day, or maybe it was yesterday, to like yesterday when that botched punt happened and they scored on the botched punt. So, I think that was like two days ago as of like, Eight years ago. Like, bro, like the Michigan
2: State team has like PTSD from that fucking the one Michigan, Michigan State game. Like, I really don't understand. Like, it seems like every single year they have some botched punt or some punter drops the snap, some type of level of BS, and the other team scores a touchdown on the play. Like, I genuinely think whoever's the punter at Michigan State every year just thinks of that one Michigan, Michigan State game and just thinks that they're just gonna drop the snap or just something bad is gonna happen. Like there's There's some level of bad mojo about Michigan State's front (laughs) team that is just clearly still lingering there. Because it feels like every single year it happens one time.
0: You you think this one's going to be close, Jason?
2: Uh, I I don't think it's going to be close. Um, I I don't think it's going to be close. I think Michigan's definitely going to win. But I don't know if it's going to be, I mean, higher than 24 and a half. That's that's a lot. Is it at Michigan or at Michigan State? It's at Michigan State. It's in East Lansing. Yeah, so hopefully that 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 helps a bit. Um, but I, I think there's there's no way Michigan um does win. I mean, they've got they've got a, a really solid team this year. I mean, the defense is damn near almost as good as ours. They have they they got a good quarterback who's taken up I feel like is a big step this year. Um, so Michigan's got them for sure.
0: Sean, you taking Michigan?
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I am. I know that's a big this game's probably a big deal up where you are now, Jason, um, mm-hmm. even a year where Michigan State is not very good. Uh, I don't think it's a 24-point game, though. I mean, this is a heated rivalry, and it's Michigan State Super Bowl. Uh, but do I still think Michigan probably wins by 20? Yes. So Michigan, pretty big.
0: Agreed. So y'all kind of stole my thunder a little bit here because so we picked all the games – but, Jason, we have one thing that maybe separates the men from the boys, and it's a double down on the spread. So if you if you can guess the spread correctly, um, I guess I should say if you can bet against the spread correctly, um, you get two bonus points. But you only get to choose between these three games. So you can take either opponent to cover for these three games. So you can take Michigan to cover the 24-and-a-half or Michigan State to to cover that 24 and a half. Rutgers is at Indiana. Rutgers is a five. there, And then Minnesota at Iowa is also at five points. So you've got um, basically six choices here on who you think is gonna be able to cover. And if you guess correctly, you'll get an additional two points.
2: Um, uh, I don't, I mean, I think Michigan state's going to cover the spread. I feel like it'll be a closer than 24 and a half point game. I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm not a, a gambler due to recent events. So
0: <laughs> you might have to, you might have to let us know about what happened off, off, uh, off the show. Cause now I'm intrigued. Um,
2: NFL has been NFL has been cracking down yeah. on gambling. So I, I stay yeah. away.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, No, I was gonna go somewhere. There's a former Penn State player that may have may have had some issues there, but uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll forget about that and uh, we'll go to uh, your prediction and what you're thinking for this Penn State Ohio State game. The the floor is yours.
2: Man, I think this is year we take the big step, bro. Honestly, I mean we got a we got a really good young quarterback. I mean, uh, I I think the biggest difference. in this game, as opposed to recent years, is how well we look in the trenches um, on both sides of the ball, offensive line and defensive line. Obviously, our D-lines is, is, is pretty nasty right now. They're getting a ton of pressure. But when I watched that Iowa game earlier this year, I felt like as a team, we kind of iowa Iowa. You know, it's like we played the game how they play their game and did it better. Um, and that is something that in recent years I haven't really, you know, seen us uh, do as a team just from a standpoint of time of possession and long drives. I mean, 10, 12 play drives resulting in touchdowns, you know, turning out, you know, efficient runs, not necessarily backbreaking runs, but four, five, eights, sevens, you know. Um, so when I, when, I, when I see that out of this team, I think that is going to be the biggest um, factor in this game, you know. Drew giving him the time you know when he has clean pockets I mean this kid could throw the ball anywhere put it anywhere as you can see I mean the kid hasn't even thrown a pick this year so he's a good decision maker knows where to go with the ball it seems like you know he's taking that next step in the offense and knowing it and knowing where the ball's supposed to go where his answers are you know that those kinds of things so um, I, I'm gonna have to go with the uh, with Penn State and I think you know Marvin Harrison's gonna get his he's gonna have his moments there's no doubt about that the kid's probably gonna be a top five pick so you you, you can't you know, you can't hang your head if he has a big catch or whatever the case may be, but it's going to be a stop him by committee type of deal. You know, you know, Kalen King's going to have to, Kaylen King and Johnny Dixon both are going to have to have their best game because at the end of the day, even if we're able to shut down Marvin Harrison, they still got a couple of really capable wide receivers that can that can make a splash. And if we do shut Marvin down, we can't allow this to be a game where a Julian Fleming or Emeka Buka, you know, has a has a day. You know, we can't really afford that. So if we make them one dimensional, we stop the run and we're able to keep them in in third and long situations by having a lot of negative plays, TFLs, sacks, those kinds of things. I think, I think we can control this game. And then I also, I also think, and this is something that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about because these are two very good defensive teams um, in the big 10 right now um, is a special teams game. You know, there's going to be moments and stretches of this game where field position ends up being a big factor um, so whether that means a big punt return from Daquan Hardy, whether that means our punter pinning them, uh, in the 10 yard line, you know, things of that nature, because at the end of the day, neither of these teams are going to just be going down and scoring. I don't see this game playing out as a shootout. I just don't. Um, so I think field, the field position battle is going to be very huge and, and the way we play on special teams as well.
0: Do you have a bold prediction that you want to throw in there? Something maybe that's not outlandish, but. So we usually say like you'd be willing to at least put a dollar on something that you, you wouldn't mind losing some money but something bold out there.
2: Um in terms of this game, yes sir. You know, I'm not going to lie, I'm I'm pretty confident. Um I don't I don't look at Ohio State Stadium as a um as a very hostile environment. That that's not how I look at that stadium. I don't think it's very loud at all. Um I don't think it compares nearly to Beaver Stadium whatsoever. Um, so I, I actually think we, we handled them. Um, I think it'll be a, a two score game. Genuinely, I really think it'll be a two score game, whether it's nine points or 14. I think this ends up being a two score game and, and, and we handle them. You know, I think we're going to hit some adversity during this game because I don't believe that either team has truly been challenged. You can argue Notre Dame when when Ohio State um, played Notre Dame and they won that last minute, but I feel like our defense is better than Notre Dame's defense. And, and you saw that was really the first time that their offense kind of looked out of tempo and kind of off. Um, you know, Kyle McCord, I believe, is he's leading the Big Ten right now in passing yards, like two seventy-five or something like that. You know, he's he's, he's playing some good ball, but um, I, I don't think they've they've seen our level yet this year, uh, and I think they're going to struggle if we come out the right way.
0: Awesome, awesome. Uh, Jason, I just want to let you know uh, on YouTube, Cowboy Ribeye says, God, I love Jason. Absolute legend. So wanted to, <laughs> wanted to let you out with that one. I'm sure he'll appreciate me reading that one. Um, but again, man, I will say this. Like, you popped up on that Thursday before uh, that 2016 game and kind of let things happen that way. And I wasn't really sure where I'm going but I will say I am leaning more now towards Penn State after you just showing up again. We kind of got you on <laughs> the pod last second. I feel like that's a good omen to have out there that Jason could have been to come on the show right before. So we appreciate you coming on and, and speaking with us. It's been an absolute pleasure. pleasure.
2: Appreciate y'all having me on. Appreciate y'all.
0: Appreciate yeah. And uh, we appreciate it. You. you can just hang up or you can just leave and it, it won't mess up anything.
2: All right. That sounds Thank good. Good talking to you guys. Absolutely.
0: Talking to you.
1: Good luck. Wow.
0: That was great. John, that was excellent.
1: That was great.
0: To can talk to him. I mean, him and Brandon Bell, no offense to other people we've had on the show, but I, feel, I just feel like, I mean, think about it, too, that they were both there at the same time. Just incredible speakers, both of them.
1: Yeah, I feel like one of them could be like when Jack Ham hangs it up. If they want, they could probably be the color guy, the color guy on the radio. I could definitely see that in their future uh, because Jason's just great communicator. Uh, and just knows the game inside and out.
0: Absolutely. Well, um, appreciate y'all hanging out with us. If you haven't already, make sure you've liked the video and you've subscribed to State Media. You know, we got our podcast. We've got the Lions Den, which is current players talking with Aeneas Hawkins, and then we have the Pocket Podcast with former Penn State quarterback Christian Hackenberg and the guy we were just talking about, former Penn State linebacker Brandon Bell. So make sure you check those other two out um, as well as continuing to listen to us. Sean, we kind of buried the lead a little bit. We, We didn't really quite get to everything that happened today in practice, and one of the bigger things that has maybe convinced me on which way I want to go with the game tonight is the fact that offensive guard J.B. Nelson was a full participant. Did we? I don't know. If, did we talk about that earlier? I don't think so. I think it was before the show started recording. No,
1: yeah, I think it's when um, just you and I were talking.
0: Right, and so J.B. Nelson, who Andre Snyder asked yesterday if he was out for the season, all Franklin said was, "We expect to have him back." And then flash, flash forward to practice today. And J.B. Nelson is a full participant. And after practice, he was asked, and he expects, didn't say to start, but he expects J.B. Nelson to play against Ohio State. So um, big turn of events there. Vega Yone did well. We pointed out a couple of things. Maybe he messed up during the UMass game. I think he will do a good job. But if you can get J.B. Nelson back, just from a depth perspective, having another guy there makes you feel a little bit better. I don't have to remind everybody about the offensive line depth kind of crumbling down to nothing against Ohio State last year. Um, this is big news, Sean.
1: Yeah, no question. I mean, and look, we already lost Landon and, uh in August. Uh, we're already on our second string left guard. So to see JB, when, I know when I saw JB Nelson go down against Northwestern and get carried off, I was like, oh, not, you know, like uh here we go again. Uh I agree with you. I think Mega played, I think he played pretty good uh with where we needed him. Uh he definitely has a bright future. Uh but he's still uh he's he's still green, you know, he's still learning. Uh he still has a little ways to go. Um, and you'd rather him not start when you're going into Columbus. You got a guy like Tyreek uh, Williams on the other side playing defensive tackle and he's one of the uh, premier defensive tackles in the Big Ten of not the country. So, uh, definitely positive news on the injury front.
0: Yeah. And, you know, let's just flip right there to the Ohio State preview because I wanted to talk about interior offensive line versus Ohio State. You mentioned Williams. I also wanted to mention uh, that we got to go with uh, Michael Hall, who's also there. And those two guys are good. And those two guys are going to cause problems. Uh, for Penn State on the inside. It's just, I mean, it's going to happen. They're going to have some big plays. Everyone wants to talk about Jack Sawyer at defensive end and JTT on the other side. Those guys are very good, five star guys in their own right. But I really think the battle is going to be won or lost on the inside there. Hunter Norris at the center, who's, who's played really well up to this point. Can he continue to do that? Can he continue to play well? Um, Sal Wormley has played well this year, but if. You've been listening to the podcast for a long time. So I warmly did not have a great game against Ohio State last year. Can he have a better game? Um, and can they continue to set up the inside zone with k Allen? I think that's a really important part of this. I, I think there are going to be battles won and battles lost on the outside with with Sawyer and JTT and, and Olu and Caden Wallace. But this game is going to be won or lost on the interior offensive line. Because if you can keep, you know, three, four yards a clip on the ground on first and second down, all of a sudden those pass attempts on third and five don't take as long to develop, and you're not giving JTT and Jack Sawyer a chance to really pin their ears back and come after Drew Aller. If it's a third and five, that ball can be out before hopefully they can even get there. So um, I I think the interior offensive line, Sean, is going to be a big part of the storyline, and because J.D. Nelson will play – That that makes me feel better about Penn State's chances in
1: this one. Yeah, something that Corey and I have discussed off-air is I would definitely take our I would definitely take our edge guys over theirs. And I love the way we match up with their offensive tackles. The interior certainly taking Ohio State over our interior guys. And not that our interior guys have been bad necessarily, but I've spoken before about. There's a level you have to play at to be able to compete with the Ohio States of the world. You could get by even teams like I who have, a good, they have a good defense. You can get by by being above average or being sometimes even good. But you need to be able to kick it up a level when you're playing against elite interior defensive linemen. Uh, guys that next year are going to be playing in the NFL. And maybe even starting in the NFL. So you have to be able to step your game up. I think Hunter Norzad's definitely capable of it. Uh Sal Warmley has shown flashes for sure. Um, but it's it's that other guard spot that I'm really interested in. Uh James Franklin, we just heard Chase and to talk uh, talk talk about it. He's usually cautious with injuries. And I do not think he would rush JB he wouldn't rush JB Nelson back. Uh, before he was ready that's just not something james franklin does so if jb's ready to go and assuming he's near 100 i feel a lot better i feel a lot better than going in into it with the guy who's probably um not the most ready as he could be for something like that
0: no i agree 100 and you know we'll have to digest everything that jason cabinda said at a different podcast because there are some, there are some absolute gems in there um, that I can't wait to kind of, like, tonight probably once I'm done, the podcast is out, the episode's out. We've sent our clips to wherever they need to go. I'll be sitting there like, man, there was some absolute diamonds that, that he dropped in the, in the rough there that, that we'll have to kind of dig out and, and pick at because, yeah, there's some good stuff there. And I think just that right there, like how they handle the injuries. You know, we talked about Trey Wallace and how he hasn't really played um, before the UMass game, really hadn't played since Delaware slash West Virginia. And you kind of get a little impatient, but it's a good reminder that nobody's more ready to get out in the field than the players. And um, and, and we'll talk about Trey Wallace, I think, in a second, but it, it's a good reminder as far as these guys want to be out there. And... You know, when they do get out there, especially in Jason Commenda's case, ready to rock and roll. Let's flip it to the other side since we talked a little bit about Penn State's offensive line. Um, I wanted to talk about Penn State's defensive ends against Ohio State's offensive tackles. Fryer is the one offensive tackle on the right side. Simmons is on the left side. Simmons is the one that transferred in from San Diego State. It was a big transfer portal get at the time. Hasn't quite really developed into Maybe that left tackle they wanted him to be. He played right tackle at San Diego State. So, you know, again, it could just be a transition that he hasn't fully, you know, gotten through yet. But these are not the same offensive tackles that Penn State went up against last year. Both of those guys and their center are gone from last year. Um, I don't want to say a big step down because I think that's a little disrespectful. Uh, These are still very good players. Okay, let me say that back. These guys are above average players, but they are they are not first round draft picks like Paris Johnson was last year. And Penn State, I think the way Adisa Isaac's playing has two first rounders starting in Adisa Isaac and Chop Robinson. I, I really think Isaac is working himself towards uh, you know top you know twenty to thirty two round you know twenty to thirty second round pick and. Top Robinson at this point could go top ten the way he's playing, um, and then deny Dennis Sutton's getting there too. So the advantage is obvious in, in that regard as far as what Penn State's able to do on the edge. And I think, and we talked about Devon Ellis a little bit on last episode. The inside is really every guy is flash because I Izzard is flash, Zane Duran is fat, flash, Devon Ellis is flash. You have to feel pretty good about the depth that you've been able to. Build there. Not a lot of people have been complaining about the depth along the defensive tackle spot as much, Sean. So in that regard, Penn State should be able to eat up front defensively.
1: I think so, too. I think so, too. I think, um, you know, something to keep in mind, and we've said it on previous shows before, the team with the best edge guys usually win this game. And it just so happens the last six or seven years, we have there's six years we haven't had that. And then if you go back to 2016, Garrett Sickles plays out of his mind. And so does and Evichwana is a really good game as well. And they outplayed Nick Bosa. I mean, just imagine that, but they did. Uh, I think Penn State's offensive tackles played pretty well that night, and that's gonna be what's needed again. Uh, I want to make a note of this Josh Simmons, at least going into the Notre Dame game was the most penalized offensive lineman in the country over the past two seasons. So he could, if you get around him, he'll grab. And that could result in some pretty big holdings. And we've seen holding calls and we've seen chop Robinson draw a lot of those in his time at Penn state. Uh, we've, seen Abdul Carden, we've seen him dual card. We've seen him, decent Isaac denied it a Sutton already. So I feel like that's a, Big advantage for us, and if I, I feel like if we could get to four sacks, I think that should be the goal. Four, but not just have four sacks, but have constant pressure or near constant pressure on Calipari. Yeah,
0: Sean, that's a really good point. As I look really little all of a sudden on this one camera here, let me see if I can make myself look a little bit bigger. Um, I, that's a really good point, and I think it's. Kind of what I was trying to get at with that remark about Temple and Penn State in 2015. They have the athletes on the outside, but if they're unable to get the ball to them, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You've got to have time to throw the ball. And it's not like Penn State's defensive backs are just going to let them get open right away. Like They have the ability to at least hang on and play press man coverage for at least a little bit. Maybe not every time, but for a lot of the time. And to your point, Sean. You, you don't have a JT Barrett back there. You don't have even a CJ Stroud back there as far as mobility goes. Kyle McCord is, and he showed some glimpses of being able to scramble against Purdue, but he is less mobile than any quarterback since maybe Dwayne Haskins. I mean, it's been a while since they've had a guy that kind of just sits back there. Even Fumachan, who they face against UMass, he had the ability to escape the pocket a couple of times, They had seven sacks. They probably could have easily had that 10-sack number. That has to make you feel a little bit better, too. That even if you can just get them off his throwing platform and move them a little bit and make them uncomfortable, he's not going to hurt you with his legs the same way that previous Ohio State quarterbacks have. And then just, again, they are capped. I think an offense is capped by how good your offensive tackles play. And Penn State has been on the wrong side of that a bunch. But I think this game and in this matchup for the first time in a long time, I think it's the Ohio State offense that is actually capped more by their offensive tackles than Penn State is.
1: I agree. I agree. I mean, Olu, I mean, uh, pretty much every team in the country would want to have Olu fashion. You know? And almost every team in the country would want Kaden Wallace on the other side. Uh, we're very fortunate to have to. Uh, two top tier offensive tackles, and I'm very proud of the way Caden Walls has developed. I really am because I remember going into last year, he was a big question mark for me, uh, just because he hadn't quite lived up to expectations. And last year he had a good season. I think he's taken his I think he's taken his game up a whole other level this year, and he's made himself a lot of money, and he could continue making himself a lot, lot of money. Uh, if he has a good game on Saturday and if he's able to contain JTT and Jack Sawyer, Yeah,
0: absolutely. And you know, just a, a reminder to people, Kane Wallace didn't play against Ohio yeah. State. He was not there. So everyone's just acting exactly like JTT is going to do the same thing again. First of all, JTT hasn't done that same thing ever. And nobody will, because that was a once in a lifetime thing. Knock on wood. Like, Incredible performance, but a performance that probably won't be repeated. And if it is, you can't predict it. Um, so I, I think Penn State has got to feel good there. I want to switch over and talk about Penn State's secondary versus Ohio State's receivers and also provide uh with an update on Ohio State's health. So we haven't we didn't hear much from Ryan Day this week on where their health was at. It's sounding more and more though, if you if you kind of read in the tea leaves a little bit that Mecca Aguka, wide receiver for Ohio State, may not play in this game. I would probably list him as doubtful at this point. Um, maybe he try- gives it a go, but I think it's safe to say he probably won't be at full strength. Now, they've got plenty of other weapons. We talked about them on the Monday show a little bit. They've got plenty of other guys. Tate, um, I can't remember his name again.
1: He to do it again? Yeah. Right Northeast PA, Julian Fleming.
0: Julian Fleming. I seriously, like, people are gonna think I'm just messing with everybody. I really can't remember him, uh, his name, uh, Julian Fleming. Uh, they've got other guys there um, that will be effective, but and is a difference maker for for what that's worth. And then I wanted to mention not really much updates on running back. I think Henderson's gonna give it a go, from what it sounds like. Williams, I think, is probably listed as doubtful at this point. Um, And then Chip, who I I think Chip, the other running back, will probably give it a go as well. So that's the update there. But, Sean, how are you feeling about the Penn State secondary versus Ohio State's wide receivers? R.J. Young from Fox said that he takes Marvin Harrison over Manny Diaz's secondary, as if there's like five Marvin Harrisons out there. Um, I'm not discrediting how good Marvin Harrison is, but... I think it was a little bit disrespectful towards his past Penn State secondary and saying it the way
1: he said it. Well, I am discrediting RJ Young's opinions on a lot of things, so there's that. Um, he also had Colorado in his preseason top 25, and they just blew a 29-point lead to Stanford, so there you go. Uh, anyway, this, it, it worked for a challenge, whether Ibuka plays or not. I mean, Ibuka is the great wide receiver I mean he's probably a top five receiver in the country in his own right and he was going to be a big challenge um but they still have other guys I, they have they have so they have so much talent in that receiver room due in large part to former Dolphin Brian Hartline and former Buckeye Brian mm-hmm. Hartline and the guy is the best in the business in recruiting and developing and he's going to be a head coach sooner rather than later uh and marvin harrison jr he's worth the hype guys he is certainly worth the hype i think he's the best guy they've had and they've had loads of good receivers since urban meyer was there i think he's the best one so he's he's very special that being said again watch the whole notre dame ohio state game last night. They played pretty fearless against him. They weren't afraid to put quarters on an island. They weren't afraid to rough him up a little bit and bump him at the line. They played pretty fearless. And I don't think a lot of defensive coordinators would have taken the approach Notre Dame did. And it worked. It worked. They limited him. Did they kill him? Did, did they end up getting killed at the end? Yes, they did. Yes, they did. They still ended up getting beat, but they held him 17 points. If we hold Ohio State 17 points, I think we win this game. Um, and so in in my opinion, they did, the defense did their job that night. And this is a chance for Kaelin King to show who he is. And he's kind of been overlooked so far this year. I think even by some in our own fan base, uh, because he hasn't been asked to do a whole lot. He's kind of, and I, I I don't mean this in a diversive way at all. He's kind of coasted. And that's only because, number one, he's never had to play a full game because we're winning by so much at the end. And number two, look at the quarterbacks and the receivers that we've had to play so far this year. So he just hasn't really been challenged as of yet. I think he's played well, but he just hasn't been able to have that moment yet this season. Uh, I think he, he has a chance to do it this, this week. And I think we're going to throw a lot at Marvin Harrison. That's another thing Notre Dame did. They switched guys up. We're going to have Johnny Dixon play on him. We're going to have, um, we're going to have Kaelin King play on him. We might even see Marvin Harrison go to the slot because they want the height advantage over Daquan Hardy. Daquan Hardy has a chance to make a name for himself as well. And he's physical. I think he's physical enough to play with Marvin Harrison Jr. But Marvin Harrison does have six inches on him. So it's going to be hard. It's going to be a challenge. Uh, but I like the way I like the way the secondary matches up with their receivers and the respect that the defense, that the, that the front four is going to help them out and probably force Kyle McCord to get the ball out quicker than he wants to.
0: Best cornerback for Penn State on Saturday is going to be the pass rush. No question about it. Um, we talked quite a bit about Kalen King and then being feisty on Monday's episode. I I think Hardy, I, I wanted to ask you this. Do you? I don't expect them to follow, to have Kalen King follow Marvin Harrison around. I think they're going to play straight up, just normal, and just go with the flow. If things get really bad, maybe you switch to something different. But I think at least to start off with, they're going to just play their base defense. And, you know, they played a lot of cover one robber, cover zero robber. I think you'll see that quite a bit, where that robber, in a way, is, is kind of a bracket for if Marvin Harrison is in the slot. Um but he's going to basically kind of be a floater over the top of whoever Marvin Harrison is. And maybe he doesn't rob the rest of the routes as much, but he's maybe a little bit more focused on uh, on Marvin Harrison. But I'm excited for it. I, I think not that people are talking about Cam Miller and Daquan Hardy as much as they're talking about Dixon and King. Because, yes, King and Dixon are going to be fine. Like They're going to get burned. They're going to make plays, but they're going to be fine. Ohio State hurts you when they're able to get to your depth and, and really kind of see what your second and your third and your fourth best guy can do. And Penn State has those guys that should be able to play with them pretty
1: well. Yeah, and keep in mind, this defense, the players James Franklin's recruited, they're designed to, in theory, beat Ohio State. Like, that's, that's his whole design, and building this defense you look at the athletes you look at the how fast we are compared to years past it feels like every year Penn State's defense is a little faster a little quicker even back to Brent Pry. that's why it's not they want you know that that this they want players to be able to hang with Ohio State and it's built to be to beat a team like Ohio State and there have been years where the defense has done its job and they've kept us in games they've put us in they've put the offense in a position to win the game some years they've done it uh, one year they've done it uh the other years they haven't been able to get it done and i think keeping that in mind keeping manny Diaz and knowing that manny diaz is the uh is is the general if you will i think you have to i think you have to feel pretty good about how this defense is going to hold up against them
0: yeah, yeah. I would say uh, so. Twenty nineteen pops in my head quite a bit. Like they played really well defensively in that twenty nineteen year. Nice, um, yeah. I wanted to quickly mention penalties and special teams. Kabinda brought up special teams. Ohio State does have a first year starter in their kicker. Um I Falcons, although first year at Penn State, very seasoned in that regard. Um, so I think that's an interesting one. I also just wanted to mention the penalties. Uh Bill DeFilippo over at Roar Lions Roar, had a good point about penalties. Ohio State is um, being penalized more than Penn State, but the average yards per penalty is heavily favoring the Buckeyes. When Penn State gets penalized, it's usually a 15-yard penalty. And we talked about the denied to and one last week. We've talked about them and harped on them all year. That, to me, is one thing that worries me, that there's going to be At this point, it's likely there's going to be a 15-yard penalty. And I'm not talking about pass interference. I'm talking about an after-the-whistle, yapping of the mouth, pushing somebody down, you know, that that extends the drive. Those are the things that are going to kill you um, and and potentially change the momentum of this game. Because I think the momentum is going to be seesawing back and forth. And something like that can really swing things. We saw it against Illinois. Where Penn State was in control, and then that, that penalty beat by Keandre Lambert Smith completely shifted the whole paradigm with that game early on. So to me, it's not about how many penalties; it's about just eliminating those backbreaking ones that Penn State seems to be conducting or or, or or having at least one per game this entire season.
1: No doubt, no doubt, and those are inexcusable, and those are on you know if it it's on the players. But then, if the if, if it's not being fixed, it falls on the coaches. This has to stop. I mean, these fifteen-yard penalties—they will kill you in a game like this. They will kill you in a game against Michigan, or if we make the playoffs, you're, you're playing Georgia, you're playing um, Washington. You just can't have them. And um, while well, i and when I saw the when I saw the penalty stats, I was a little surprised that we've been penalized so little. But then when you look at the yards, it makes a lot more sense then because, you know, you jump off sides here and there. All right, that happens. It's five yards. Uh, You don't want it to happen too much, but at the end of the day, five yards. Uh, Holds could almost be effort penalties. But just after the whistle nonsense or blatant roughing the passers, you just can't have that in a game like this. Can't do it. Cannot win with them. Cannot coach with them. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Can't do it. <laughs> um, quickly, Sean is being battle, quote unquote, battle tested. Let me get this recording. Is being battle tested a farce? Is that is that really a thing?
1: <laughs> it's mostly a farce. I in, in my opinion, I, it's it's overrated. And Mark Brennan t- touched on this on his uh, Nitwits podcast uh, with Neil Rudell. I mean. In 2020, uh, we were battle-tested against Indiana, and we lost by two touchdowns. <laughs> what, did that, what did us being battle-tested really get for us? Last year, we if you want to call that battle-tested, we got shellacked out in Michigan. Didn't really help us very much. Um, uh, 20, well, we didn't lose again. Uh, 2019, did us losing to Minnesota help us? You know what I mean? No, I don't think these close games really mean anything. Every game is its own thing. And when you have a young t- in, 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 is it true to an extent? Okay. Like how's Dreweller going to react in the fourth quarter of the game? That's a legitimate question. How's he going to complete a pass on 3rd and 7? You have to move the you have to move the ball. You're up 4, you're trying to kill the clock and you need your quarterback to go make a throw. Okay, we don't know how Drew Aller is going to react to that yet. We don't know if he's going to be able to make that throw. But as far as being battle tested, like you have to lose a game or you have to win a one point game in order, and it gives you some sort of edge. I just don't buy that.
0: Michigan was not battle tested, and they blew us out last year. So
1: there you go. Yeah, <laughs> there have been years where teams just blow through. Like was LSU ever battle tested in 2019? I I think they just killed everybody. <laughs> Well, yeah. no, they were battle tested against Texas. That was a close game. But outside of that, yeah,
0: I think the Alabama game I still they, think they
1: went by two scores.
0: I think the Alabama game, they went back and forth the touchdowns. I think that was like fifty to forty-eight, but still.
1: Okay.
0: Okay. Not it. the point. I don't know why oh, I remember it. that. <laughs> um, I just wanted to ask you that. Um, one last thing I wanted to mention for people that are still deciding on this game. Saw, so, I don't know who it was, and I apologize for not getting the name of this, but I saw they basically showed if this team is a first-half team or a second-half team. Kavinda uh, talked about how 2016 was a second-half team. The stats are starting to show. We only halfway through the season, but the stats are starting to show that this is a second-half team. They are scoring more points in the second half, and Ohio State is more of a first-half team. So I don't know if that means don't freak out if Penn State's down 10-7 at the half or, or maybe even 10-0 at the half. Um but I want to jerk thoughts on it because a lot of people keep talking about having to start fast. Based off that statistic, it doesn't seem evident that Penn State's going to be able to do so.
1: Um I think we have to start faster. I think that's got to be a goal uh to start faster. Uh, I, I don't want to go down 14-0 at the shoe. I don't want to go down 10 nothing. Go up seven, okay. But like you, you don't want to be behind on the road in general, especially when you're playing against a team with as much firepower as Ohio State has. Um, so, yes, I think the goal has to be to start faster. But if, if you're a team that plays better in the second half, I'm fine with that. I mean, I, I there have been a lot of teams that Penn State has had that have been second-half teams. Jason talked about the 2016 team. I think the 2017 team even had some of that in it, uh, Ohio State game notwithstanding. But you know, they we've had teams in the past that turn it up in the second half, and that's fine. That's just kind of sometimes the way the cookie crumbles, but nevertheless, I do want us to start faster. Right. You wanted like the opening kickoff to go back for a touchdown via Nick Singleton. Yeah, that that that's a good that's a nice fast start. I've seen us return the opening kickoff at the shoe before though, and it wasn't a happy. Um, Let us know if you have your... We're about to
0: get to predictions, bold predictions and score predictions. So if you haven't dropped your score prediction or bold prediction in the chat yet, drop it in there now and we will see what you have to say. Um, Sean, we could go back and forth on this all day with with factoids about this game. Uh, I know you and I have really dug deep into this game and tried to absorb as much knowledge as possible, but... um, Are you ready? The only other thing I had on my notes that I was going to bring up was red zone defense. Penn State's offense at 76% in touchdown percentage. Ohio State's defense is at 50% in touchdown percentage allowed. So that, to me, is one of the stats that scared me a little bit. Uh, It's kind of the opposite. Last year, Penn State was really good um, in preventing red zone touchdowns. Not as good this year. But otherwise, Sean, I am ready to make predictions if you are.
1: Yeah, let's do it. And you know, just touching a little bit on that defense. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State's whole thing has been, but don't break. And like I said earlier, they're gonna give you between the twenties, between the twenty fives, if you will. Um, they're gonna give you that. But when the field gets smaller and you can't spread out as much, it's gonna be tougher. So uh, look, like like Ab said, look for t- Tyler Warren. Uh, look for Theo Johnson. Look for those tight ends. Uh, Third and shorts, T formation. Um, I think that's gonna well, I mean first we gotta get third and shorts. But push tush. Push tush. Uh, you know, uh is it me, Corey, or do you think our quarterback sneaks could be a little smoother? They collide quite well. Yeah, like Drew is like he's I mean he's he's huge. He's six five, two thirty. I don't know, like like it could be a little
0: better you want every one of them to be like the iowa one where he like runs for five yards
1: yes <laughs> yeah. I'll, no, I'll I, I mean he, he scored on a p square qb sneak last year i'm not saying we're bad at it but i don't know I you like know i was thinking about missing.
0: i was just thinking about like the my bold prediction for nick singleton and katron allen to have 30 plus total touchdowns like that's not going to happen because of drew aller Bo Prabila and Trey Potts. Like those guys have combined for eight touchdowns this year.
1: You should have and threw that- Ball Prabula in. Into
0: yeah. the- <laughs> that, that's kind of messed everything up. But um, <laughs> Sean, I'll give my bold prediction first, and then you can give your score prediction first. Is that something a plan? Sounds good. All right, well, my bold prediction for Saturday is that the Penn State wide receivers have two explosive plays for a touchdown. So... Two, two big-time plays, technically an explosive play for a touchdown. According to James Franklin, is over 16 yards, I believe, 15 yards. Um, I think it's probably going to be two over 20 yards for an explosive play touchdown. I think Penn State wide receivers account for two of them. I think maybe Keandre gets one, and maybe Trey
1: Wallace gets one.
0: So that, that's what I got for my bold prediction.
1: I have Penn State gets to five sacks. Uh, I look at the way that our, our edgy our guys match up with their – With their tackles, I think Pet State's able to get home five times. You know, based off of what you said earlier about
0: having to get there four times, I think that might be a good insinuation of where you're going to go with this one, Sean. Um, I'm going to give you the full cam here, since it's such a big game. Um, Get to see me. Let me get my uh, little subscribe thing up there. And I'm gonna give you the floor, Sean. Who do you have in winning this football game and why?
1: So, guys, we're here. Um, a lot of you guys ever since last year, it's all you've been talking about. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State. How are we gonna beat Michigan Ohio State? When we were in the offseason. Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan, Ohio State. We're playing these, we're playing Iowa for the whiteout. Still getting asked about Michigan, Ohio State. So Ohio State's here. And like I said earlier, I think this is as optimistic as the fans have been in a long time for this game, and I think there's good reason to be optimistic. Uh, you look at the way we match up with them. I think the match, uh, I'm not saying there are no benef- There are no good matchups on Ohio State's side. There are. Uh, they're the interior of um, their defensive line against interior of our offense line. I think that benefits Ohio State. But I think just in terms of styles, Uh, Ohio State gives up a lot of short short passes. Uh, They let teams have that. Well, that goes right in Penn State's hand. Ohio State doesn't give up a lot of big plays. Well, Penn State doesn't need big plays. I would like to see a few big plays on Saturday, but in general, that's just not how we operate. We're a ball control offense. We're comfortable in what we have. And I think James Franklin has really communicated that well this week. They're comfortable with where they're... Penn State's very comfortable with where they're at right now. And I think they have good reason to be. I think the way, you know, you saw JTT tear it up last year, I think it's stayed in our... I think it's in our heads still. And not in a bad way, in a good way. In that they feel like, you know, our offensive tackles feel like they have something to prove. Olu is probably going to be a top 5-10 to pick. Caden Walls has the chance to be, you know... Uh, I'd say uh, mid mid round pick. I mean, he's made a lot of money this year and he's got something to prove. So there's a, and overall, there's a chip on our shoulders. Penn State knows they haven't won in six years. You don't think these, if you're a fan and you're tired of losing Ohio State, just imagine how tired James Franklin is of losing Ohio State or any of those players or any of those coaches. Terry Smith, who's been with James Franklin so long. These guys are probably so tired of it, just like we are. And you know what? I think on Saturday we're gonna be we're gonna be tired of waiting. And I think we're gonna get it done. I'm picking Penn State just as I did in the preseason to win this game. I have Penn State winning this one by a score of 27 to 20. And I think Alex Falcons earns his stripes. I think he's gonna hit two kit two field goals, probably critical field goals, um, insurance, insurance kicks. So I think we're going to get it done in all three phases. And I think Penn State, uh, fourth down stop late in the game, get the ball back we go in victory formation. And we have a fun night of watching football.
0: I had a feeling you were going to go that way. You know, your co-host. Yeah. But you bring up some good points. Penn State score prediction for Ohio State. Been bouncing all over the place on this one pretty much from the get-go. Probably changed my mind four or five times. And just so everybody's aware, I had Ohio State winning this game in the preseason going to Ohio State, house Horrors for Penn State. They, I've seen really good teams crumble. But I will say this, like 100% agree as far as this is the best Penn State's ever matched up with Ohio State. Um, no doubt about it. And I really wish this game was at home. I really do. And it's it's just so tough for me. The, one of the bigger things that had me going for Ohio State, especially now that we've seen Drew Aller, is his splits on the road. He has not played great on the road yet. Uh, Not all his fault, but the the passing percentage is down versus Northwestern. It's down versus Illinois. Was that just a a weird case? Is he going to come out and do better against a better defense? Statistics would tell you no. Um, But I also think that Ohio State's offensive tackles are going to be their Achilles heel. and Again, usually that is the case for Penn State in this matchup for the last couple of years. But I think it's actually going to be the strength for Penn State. And hearing the news about J.B. Nelson going to play, the interior offensive line part was something I was really concerned with. That makes me feel better. And up until we found out an hour ago that Jason Cabinda was going to come on the show, I was going to take Ohio State to win this game. And I was like, I can't go back on it. But I think it's important that you can look at your preseason and then six games in decide to change your mind if it it deems worthy. And based off all those things, and then what I truly believe is a good omen of Jason Cabinda coming on the show, especially since what he did in 2016, especially since what he said on that Thursday night before the game got us to believe, It's very random that he happened to come on the show tonight because he was not scheduled. And so I'm going to take Penn State to win. I'm going to go against my preseason pick, and I'm going to take Penn State to win this game. I have Penn State winning 24-23. I don't know how they get there. I don't know exactly how it all goes down, but I've got 24-23 I think there's going to be a big special teams play like there usually is. I I wouldn't be surprised if somebody scores on defense because I feel like that's been happening a lot lately. Um, But I think Drew Aller plays better than he's played against Illinois and Northwestern. Maybe not up to the standards we want him to be, but I think he makes more big plays. And in this game, it's almost like which quarterback do you trust more? I trust Drew Aller more. And a friendly reminder, it was not Sean Clifford's ability to throw the ball that hurt Penn State against Ohio State last year. It was Sean Clifford's inability to take care of the football that hurt Penn State against Ohio State last year. And Drew Aller has not shown that to be an issue so far. I've got Penn State
1: 24-23. You know, not to jinx anything. Knock it on wood. Penn State's undefeated when Penn State when Corey and I both picked Penn State
0: is that still true
1: today still true today because we both picked them to win the Rose Bowl um you picked them to beat Ohio State last year I picked I picked Ohio State
0: right
1: and you I picked beat. them to beat Michigan you picked them you picked Correct. Michigan so we're undefeated when we're unanimous so kind of forgot about that yeah so good Alvin. I hope. <laughs> I, I, I can't get so. over
0: like the fact that Jason Kambinda first of all, again, one of my favorite players of all time, to come on the show last minute. Um, again, thank you to him for doing that. But also, I mean, that, that to me was like, holy crap. Like, I, if you believe in those kind of things, that's the biggest one you could have. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be one to remember. And I've been asking for new memories. I think we're gonna get some new memories on Saturday and not not bad memories where <laughs> you know, I was seriously right. trying
0: to think like the last time Penn State like matched up this well with them. and like maybe you could say 2018, maybe you could say 2017, definitely not 2017 in my opinion. Like they still had some things they needed' cleaned up there. Um, especially up front. Like do you have to go all the way back to 2008.
1: I think so. Because in 2016 yeah. on paper, it really didn't match up well with them. Also
0: led by an <laughs> Ohio, a state of the Ohio quarterback in 2008.
1: Yeah, Daryl Clark. Yeah. So um, that game and that game going back to what 13 year old Sean thought, I thought we were going to win, if I remember how uh, eighth grade Sean thought. Um, this is the first time I've expected Penn State to win this game since 2017, though. So that's telling you something like I'm I don't just blindly pick Penn State to beat Ohio State no um that's just not just not us.
0: Uh, I, I will say this and it's this probably not the best way to end the show. I have a terrible kind of thought in the back of my head that's like if not now then when and it yeah. almost feels desperate Sean it almost feels like like what else are you going to do to get there in the future? You have the five-star quarterback. You have the defensive ends. You know, we always talk about Michigan in twenty twenty-one about their defensive ends won them the the Big Ten championship that year. Nothing else. That's kind of how I feel about this defensive end group right now. You have those pieces, and you almost feel desperate. You almost want to will them to the finish line, but they've got to go out and they've got to do it. And um, you you kind of feel hopeless sitting back and watch, but. If not now, then when, right? And it's it's just uh it'll be a fun one on Saturday.
1: Oh, I'm feeling that same way. I mean, if not, if not now, then when. Uh because um, and Donnie Collins uh talked about this uh the, the other day. Um, you know, he replied to one of our videos or quote tweeted it. And yeah, like this is the year to get this done. Not ne- next year. I think we're gonna be very good next year. Don't get me wrong. Probably not going to have Chop, not going to have Kalen King, not going to have Johnny Dixon, not going to have DaQuan Hardy. Yeah. I mean, not going to have Curtis Jacobs. We lose a lot of guys next year. Now we get a lot back. I get it, but we lose a lot too. So right. uh, this is the year to get it done. Even though it's in Columbus, if you're good enough, go get it done. Like you can make. I don't the care argument. if it's on Mars. Get it. Get it done. You're a better team than them. I I truly believe that to my core. You could make the argument that
0: the paradigm has switched that you would actually rather have the year where you play Michigan at home than Ohio State at home. As far as I would
1: agree.
0: Wanting that advantage, right? Because Penn State hasn't done anything out of Michigan either, besides the COVID year. So Oh,
1: we play worse at Michigan than Ohio State. no question.
0: So. Sean, I feel like I actually got to Wednesday night pretty quickly. I have a bad feeling that Thursday and Friday are gonna be really, really long days. But it's been a blast, man, as it always is. This is our second Ohio State game cover together, and um, looking forward to Saturday. Me too.
1: I think it's going to be a good one, guys.
0: Thank you. Guys, if you haven't already, make sure to like the video and subscribe on YouTube. If you're listening in podcast form and you haven't already subscribed, you're silly and you're wrong, make sure to do that right now. Um, it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. just let you know we're going to go live again, and we'd really appreciate that. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll be back regardless of a Penn State win or loss on Monday to regather ourselves. I think we gonna have to regather ourselves regardless if it's a win or loss. So we'll be back on Monday to recap and go on with our day. But until then, make sure you get your pick em in. If you haven't already, get your pick them in. But until then, we will say goodbye. For Sean Kane, I'm Corey Listoke. you've been listening to Hardcore Penn State Football. See you later. Have a good idea.